1: back everybody to another episode of bench with bubba episode 273 are going to talk some more fantasy baseball some keeper rankings some bullpen strategy and much much more you can find me on twitter at entric and my co-host joining me on this episode you can find me on Twitter at rowdy roto jb jb how we doing man
2: bubba let's do this <laughs> i'm excited man i haven't been
1: talking baseball much it's Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I'm really, really looking forward to it. Uh, Why don't you let the guys, listeners know what you've been up to these days over at uh, Rotoballer and whatnot.
2: Uh, Usually the off seasons are usually the same since uh, I think 2015, I've been doing the uh, keeper value rankings. Um, I came up with this. We'll talk about it a little later, but I came up with a keeper value formula that tells you whether you should keep player A or player B. I found a way to, use standard data and create rankings so people basically a baseline for them to to make their keeper selections and it takes about the entire off season for me um just because um i don't know how to import export data so i i uh, hand jam it all and uh and then yeah that's what i've been doing uh it takes up most of my time with roto baller
1: yeah, you've you've uh, you're like a man out of my own heart because I don't know how to import exporting into here. I'm very uh very it, the fact that I can record a podcast to me is pretty uh magnificent because I don't know how to do much else technologically sound or Excel sound or anything like that. So yeah, I'm, I'm just with fact,
2: you. I'm with yeah, you. just the fact that you have a podcast, uh, you're basically a wizard <laughs> to me, man. So. Yeah, it took me a while. Trust me, a lot of YouTube videos. But uh,
1: here we are. It's fun. And the the whole reason I started it was just be able to talk baseball or whatever we want to talk about because I've had all kinds of goofy talk. So um, that's why I want to have you on the show, chat chat it up a bit. And I've been getting a lot of people's opinions on it because they vary all over the place. But, uh, you know, we have the Arizona idea thrown out Mm -hmm. there earlier this week. And obviously some of it's kind of, you know, hocus-pocus stuff. But there's other stuff that uh, could, you know, have some validity to it. So just what's your overall thoughts on – the idea of a, a shortened season uh, centered around Arizona.
2: Yeah. First off, I mean, A, I don't think is going to happen. Um, th- at least the Arizona plan uh, just because the players, uh, I don't think they're going to agree to it. Like I was reading the LA times article and like trout's going to have to choose between missing the birth of his child or having to leave the team for several weeks. And once he leaves that bubble, How difficult is it going to be for him to come back in? Uh, Ryan Zimmerman said he's not going to leave his family for a couple months. Not that he's that relevant, but he's still a player, you know. So that's my main thought is the bubble idea. Like, yeah, you can get the players inside the same hotels and they've all been tested negatively. Um, But then you're talking about bringing in supplies and food and groceries from outside the bubble. So the testing is going to have to be continuous It's going to be a pain whether or not they're going to be able to see their families. It's, it's going to be a huge ordeal. It's not going to be worth the trouble. Yeah, no, that's the
1: biggest thing is the, the testing availabilities and I've talked to some other people about it. Um, Actually a guy hit me up on Twitter today. He's a, I I screwed up every time he's a pharmacist or he works at a hospital or something. And he's saying that there's those new five minute tests that are starting to get released everywhere. His hospital already has a few. And you'd imagine that uh, when Trump talked to all the commissioners that, They'd have those situations and they're supposed to be antibody tests to make sure, you know, if you've had it you got the antibodies, all that good stuff. And that should help with the situation. But
0: I'm Absolutely. with you. It,
1: it seems it seems tough with no uh, no family involved, not being able to leave the bubble. Um, I'd imagine if they have the testing in place, they could be a little more flexible there. But yeah, it's gonna be real interesting to see if the testing's there. So I, I think that's the biggest thing. Like we could talk about all the goofy rules and everything, but I think. It, 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 making sure everyone's clean at all times is going to be the yeah. hardest part until oh, they could do that.
2: Who knows? Yeah. But if it does happen, think about this, the average daily temperature in yep. June and Phoenix is 104 degrees with only 16% humidity. Yep. That ball well, is going to travel. Ball's going to travel very far. Very, very, very far. far. I mean, Chase Field's got a retractable roof and a humidor, but you know who doesn't have that? The 10 Cactus League stadiums that they're talking about playing at. Yep, yep. And that's the thing is, you know, some people are saying, well, can
1: they put humidors at all the ballparks? You know, I'm thinking, okay, they probably could, but how much is that going to cost? Is it worth it for them for one season to put it out there? Exactly. I, don't think, I don't think the owners care about, you know, having
2: five, seven home runs a game. I, I think they probably embrace it. So, yeah. And then you got to think, think, like, you know, East Coast bias. They're not going to start every game at 10 p.m. Eastern time, so these are going to be day games in the desert. Yeah. Just the weather alone, like, the DFS side of my brain is just exploding thinking about that in the desert air, man.
1: You pretty much just take every cheat picture and say, screw it. (laughs) Exactly.
2: Or – or yeah. if Chase Field is one of the available, oh, leagues, that's who you're pitching. You yeah, the chase. Yeah, you take the Chase Field pitcher every day.
1: But you'd imagine, like you know, DraftKings would, would all of a sudden, even if it's you know, right. freaking Mike Leak, Mike Leak will be like ten thousand five hundred dollars pitching in like Chase Field. Bullet.
2: I'd bite that bullet every time. Exactly.
1: Yeah, because the <laughs> difference, even a six inning, three year run start from Leak would be like <laughs> light years ahead of what might take place in the desert. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and you know like, they only get one day of precipitation in June on average per year. I'm like, how crazy is
1: that? It's wild, man. It's it's crazy heat. I I I to a guy multiple times a week that lives in Scottsdale and uh, you know, he's been covering baseball for a while, and he talks about uh it gets as high as, you know, one fifteen in like July and August during the <sighs> daytime. So it, it can get fun. Like it's not always that bad. Like there's days where it's not you know, it'll be lower, some will be higher, but the reality of the situation is gonna be darn hot. So, yes. um, it'll, it'll be tricky to do. I don't know how they're going to be able to do double headers. That's for one. Because, yeah. You think about, just, yeah. Well, because you got 30 teams. You got 10 Cactus League ballparks. You got Chase Field, where you can maybe play three, four games a day if you start early in the day. Um, you could probably use Arizona State, maybe University of Arizona as complexes as if you need to. Grand scheme of things, you got about 13 ballparks, maybe. And you got to yep. figure out 30 play, teams playing at least five, six times a week. It's going to be tricky. Yeah.
2: I'm a yeah, the business side of me is very interested to see how they uh, can coordinate that. Yeah, like I I want baseball, but yeah, I'm rooting for them, but (laughs) yeah, this is just like watching a train wreck, and I can't wait for it to happen. Yeah, like I I want it
1: so bad. The fantasy side of it, you know, doing DFS content or regular content is going to just be bananas to begin with, but uh, that's what it takes to actually get action. I'm in, but the biggest thing is like how you started with with the testing. I want it to be safe. I don't want guys getting sick. And, you know, that, that's just not worth it. It ain't, it ain't worth it that much. We can wait till next year, unfortunately.
2: But uh, exactly. I'm just happy
1: that they're at least talking about it.
2: Yeah. And I'm just curious, uh, you know, like what percentage of the players would just be like, you know, it's, this isn't worth one truncated season. Like Mike Trout, like what has he had to prove in a four-month season that he yeah. hasn't already proved that he's going to miss the birth of his child? for, Like, nah. Yeah, he's
1: got nothing—nothing to, nothing to prove <laughs> at all. It's not like it's not like the, angel, the angels are going to cut him because he didn't
2: report this year. It's not like a football deal where it's like, oh, yeah, hold myself exactly. out. out. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. And just the fact that it's a, a health issue, if, I think it's going to be like you know some lawsuit liability if they don't make it. If you know, they got to have a say in whether or not they want to put their health at risk. Like I, I could see it coming down to all of a sudden
1: these minor league players get a little bit of a raise and it's almost like strike season where the, the scabs come in and play. Yeah. Replacement players, minor <laughs> leaguers. I, I could, I could see that one coming a mile away because these
2: owners are just want
1: their money. That's all they want. So oh, yeah.
2: And then you talk about like, you think about strategies. I mean, obviously everyone's thinking the same thing. and pitching down offense up. Mm-hmm. Um, fly ball pitchers are going to be rethinking their life choices. Got like, <laughs> starters probably aren't going to be going six innings in this heat. No, nope. the cramps hydration. It's going to be like Strasburg's day starts. They just, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's going to be ugly. Yep. yep. You have a little too much sweat on those arms. I could be able to spin that ball the same way. no more. <laughs> so does that mean you put pitching at a premium because there's going to be fewer that excel or you just, you know, roll the dice and, that's the that's the million dollar question. That's why I, I keep talking
1: about it. Pretty much every show, it's it, it differs between people. It's like, do you want even more aces, or you just say screw it, and I'm just going to load up on that mid mid, mid area, yeah. or do you look for gra- like ground ball pitchers, heavy ground ball guys? Um, lots of ways to go about it, I guess. But it's just pure speculation. But it's fun to speculate about because, like you said, you get a, you get a fly ball pitcher out there. You know, you or I could go out there and hit a home <laughs> run in 104 degrees. Yeah, so, like
2: Jake Jake Oderizzi has no shot. Like <laughs> just stay at home, man. <laughs> yeah. So tell
1: him you need to get Tommy John surgery. Just skip the season. <laughs> just skip it. Like Chris Sales look at, like loving life right now.
2: So he's all Yeah oh, man. What a good bro. what a good year for that. I'm a Red Sox yeah. fan, so you're a Red Sox fan? I am.
1: Oh man. Yeah, I great am. year for that. You got you guys might luck out and end up getting um Verdugo and Jeter Dance right? for David Price.
2: Right, because I mean, if if they don't play this year, Mookie's still a free agent next year. Yep, you guys might all of a sudden <laughs> one of the worst trades of the of the off looks pretty darn good. Hey, I was I was I was pleased with it. It should have happened uh, well before, while his uh, value was a little bit higher. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm in the business of uh, get what you can out of a player while you yep. can. Um, yep. And Jeter Downs and Verdugo—that's no laughing matter. That's a that's a good haul. I mean, it's not Mookie Betts, but considering, I was pleased with it.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. It's definitely better than the alternative. Like when they ended up getting Jeter Downs, I was pretty impressed. That 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 made things a lot better. When it was Verdugo and um, I can't remember who else it was. Uh, Gratterall, Gratterall. Yeah. I wasn't over the moon about that
2: one. Yeah, me neither. I mean, a relief pitcher.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Pedroia is pretty much done. So you throw Jeter Downs out there, and life is good again. I can't wait. Yeah, yeah. So things are, you know, people were. Now that I know that you're a Red Sox fan, people were talking about it. You know, being a pretty rough year looking ahead, and you know, if you mm-hmm. look at roster resource and you look at the starting rotation of the bullpen, there's there's a lot to be concerned about for sure. <laughs> but but uh, offensively, it's still a pretty darn strong team. You got there.
2: Yeah, I have no, I have, uh, no worries, and like like I tell everyone that gets on to me and tries to dog me like I've seen them win four times I never thought that was going to be possible for even one so (laughs) anything after this is bonus for real like that's for my life
1: that's what I tell people they tell me the Giants suck right now I'm like you know what I saw three in five years I'm good oh that's true yeah Giants fans (laughs) are the
2: same way yeah I'm in the same yeah well you
1: guys I'm literally I got people like crying about you know the Giants are so bad I said oh they're rebuilding They'll be okay in about three more years, and they'll be competing again. Don't worry about it. We're good. <laughs> don't yep. worry about it. Absolutely close, just, man. just trust the process. Um, if they do play in Arizona, obviously it, it, it ruins the Rockies' value, one would say, kind of evens out the playing field there. It might down the, uh, the D-backs that might play half their games at home. I don't know how that will <laughs> play out. We're just pure speculating. But um, are, are, just off the top of your head, per se, are there any guys that all of a sudden – take a pretty good-sized jump that might have
2: been kind of borderline before? Yeah, I mean, obviously the the first thing you think about is the injuries. Um, as soon as I saw NBA shut down the season, my brain went, okay, so MLB is probably next. And shoot, I should have been drafting more of the injured players because, like, you know, you're getting discounts on Stanton, Judge. Mm-hmm. Um, Rich Hill was going for nothing. Willie Calhoun after taking that ball to the face. Uh, McCutcheon, Mike Clevenger even. Um, yep. Man, I wish I had some more shares of those guys. Cause I mean, for oh Justin Verlander as well. I mean, they're all coming. They're all going to be healthy for, as far as we know. So just, and then uh, besides the injuries, you also got to think of guys that uh we're taking kind of a value hit because of potential innings caps. So the young arms you're talking um Jesus Luzardo, um, Julio Urias. Um, it's going to be a full season now. I mean, if they can get 150 innings, it's – going to be plenty for a full season. So um, monster value there if you drafted early, um, like
1: me. No, that's that's one of the perks. You know, like obviously people say there's, there's value in, in drafting early because of, of, you know, this, that, and the other. Obviously this wasn't in, in, in the mindset when <laughs> we were doing things, but it's the same kind of philosophy, like you're saying. But uh, it would have been nice because, you know, James Paxton Stant was going after a pick 100. Yeah. Now you got, uh, like you said, uh, Luzardo, who was kind of like a borderline. What are we going to do with him? Now he catapults back up uh, to to interesting type realms. It, it definitely changes things quite a bit. So it's going to be quite interesting to see uh, how that plays out. I've been you know checking the NFPC ADP since March fifteenth. Basically, once spring training ended, I check it every once in a while when I'm doing stuff. And some of these guys moving up the board are quite quite interesting. One guy that's kind of falling, not like massively, but. You know, five, six spots where I figured people would be pretty hyped on him. Uh, Bob, Luis Robert, is falling, actually. And I, I can't ask, wrap my head around that.
2: I actually have his name listed in uh, If you're going to a- ask me next, some players that take a hit. What well, thinking, why, like, why does he take a hit for you? I just because, like, this is, is going to be his first taste of major leagues. And he gets a shorter amount of time to get his feet wet. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, I wouldn't say I expect less from him but just i don't know mentally as a player it's going to be so much harder for these and then players coming from overseas uh, i believe he's called pronounce it satsugo yeah um from tampa bay yeah so i mean they get less of a warm-up time basically is what i'm gonna put it as um and then you take the same with like prospects um managers general managers with a truncated season. You, there's really not the same amount of time to get the feet wet for prospects. Um, at what point do you think that, you know, Joe Ad- Ad- Adele, like, you know, what's when's the deadline to where his ceiling just isn't enough to make up for that lack of experience when you're fighting for a playoff spot literally every day because the season's so much shorter?
1: Yeah, and that's my thing with these younger guys. I think it's either it's one of two sides. It's that side where they pull the pen quickly because they need the production right away or they bring them up sooner because they want to get that spark right away. It's kind of a weird dynamic. How are they going to approach these young guys? But regardless, the window is going to be small if they're not producing. Exactly. It it depends on what kind of gamble you want to take. And in a shortened season, if you're like, say, say we're going to start drafting again, say, you know, say two weeks from now, there's an announcement that they're going to start spring training in June Season starts, like, July 1st. They're going to play 80 to 100 games. What kind of strategy do you use for that? Because, obviously, just Arizona alone, the ball's going to be flying. Pitching could be interesting. But are you more risk-averse on a shorter season? Are you more, you know, cash game mentality, say, for DFS, where you want just quality across the board? How would you wrap your head around drafting that kind of situation?
2: Yeah, normally I'm a very, very uh, cash mentality player, and uh, especially just your standard leagues um, where you're just – Playing against eleven other players, um, overall contests like NFBC, um, the T TGFBI, um, I go I go much more GPP mindset. Um, I go a little bit YOLO, um, but honestly, this season I think uh, I honestly think that almost all of our analysis and projections are just going to be almost worthless because <laughs> you know. I mean, these players are creatures of habit. Um, yep. That's completely out the window. They have shorter time. Um, so you're talking about splits are going to be all sorts of wanky. There's not really going to be home and away splits. It's I think it's just going to be a, almost a dice roll. And yep. for that reason, I would probably go much more of a GPP style if I were to draft again just because – we don't know what to expect, so might as well get crazy with it. Yeah, it,
1: it's definitely an interesting discussion because I've heard both sides of it, and like, part of me really, really wants the GPP side. Part of me wants that stability where, like, the GPP makes sense because if a guy goes off, it like just catapults you that much more in front of everybody else. Mm-hmm. At the same time, if he struggles, it might drop you that much faster. Where the balance <laughs> approach might keep you there. It's like it's it's so it's such a fun discussion because you can see both sides of this the, playing out real easily. And it's it's like all or nothing. Maybe if you have like two thirds of your guys, you know, GPP it off, and then the other guys kind of stumble, you'll still be okay. I think the hardest part is, you know, we're we're all predicting that hitting is going to be pretty good because you know, mm-hmm. pretty simple, pretty simple math there. Actually, Derek Cardi, I was giving him a hard time on Twitter the other day. I, I just goofing around saying, hey, can you redo the bat to show us all the games over a hundred uh, degrees? That. Basically, I, I saw and, and he said he's, he's working, working on it. it. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, sweet. I'm just I'm just curious, like. Give me an idea of, how, I, I know, I'm not, okay, Mike Trout's a bad example because he's better than everybody by a long shot. But let's just say, you know, you're middle of the tier type guys. How much do they get closer to maybe the higher tier guys or something along those lines? Mm-hmm. So then when you're, when so when you're drafting now, do you maybe, maybe that allows you to take more gambles there and take pitching. Like exactly yeah. all kinds of interesting ways to go about it is why I want to just, I, again, like some people might go, you know, you've talked about this for like six episodes well, it's different discussions. It's it's different discussions every time because it's fun just kind of getting strategy behind it because you know we're bored and we miss fantasy baseball and let's dream about it. Like that's the way I look about it. Yeah. So that's all we can do. And um, I'm real curious to see how that plays out. Um, I know we we kind of said it earlier. Would you be into maybe taking more pitchers instead of usual in this situation because? I think, you know, like you said, most guys are going to go five, six innings. I, I'd imagine they're going to enforce DHs in both leagues so the pitchers aren't running the bases, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, they're they're not going deep in games. So, you know, we're going to talk bullpen stuff later, but now some of those kind of sketchy bullpen arms might get a lot more use this year.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, I would – you know, for me, my, my standard is very pitching light, especially in the first half. Uh, we'll get – into that more later when we talk the bullpen but uh yeah so in this scenario like you said since uh, i don't want to say the the gap is i guess decreased some between the elite and the mid-tier hitters just because of the environment um i think that would make me maybe reach for a little bit more arms early um just because of the i every draft round and every draft i'm looking at Position scarcity. Um, that's usually how I how I pick my next hitter. I'm looking at what other hitters are available at position, and the top ranked player that I have at that position. How far is the gap? And I'm looking for the biggest gap, basically. Um, and in this scenario, that pitching gap would just be huge from those top tier guys and everyone else. Yeah, I'm
1: with you because the one thing we got to look at, you know, Garrett Cole is still going to strike out 10 plus guys a game. So,
2: um,
1: yeah, that's just what he's going to do. Even with his six, seven innings, because he's one of those workhorses, he's going to go out there, he's going to deal. And that's just one thing you're going to accept. He might give up four solo homers, but, hey, he was still giving up two to three last year. How great was that? Yeah, it it didn't matter because it's like they say, if you're not walking guys to get on base, I don't care. (laughs) Give them up that way. Um, As an old Red Sox Sox guy, you know, Schilling was, like, great at that. Mm -hmm. A couple home runs, didn't matter. Didn't Mm -hmm. matter at all. I think some of these guys are starting to embrace that because Scherzer does it, um, Verlander does it. They all do it. If Scherzer
2: gives up one home run to the most random hitter every game, I started actually um, looking at the opposing teams, like just most one-off random hitter that was playing Max Scherzer for my GPP lineups because it makes sense. it's just always the craziest Juan Pierre esque hitter that takes him deep. How many times did like the bottom half of the Marlins lineup crush him last that,
0: year? That's
1: exactly <laughs> what's in my head right now. That's why I thought Juan <laughs> Pierre. But yeah,
2: it's exactly right, man.
1: It's because exactly. I think he just has that mentality that that he doesn't give a shit mentality, and just goes out there and throws like, "Okay, hit it! Like yes. I'm gonna throw it past you, or you're gonna hit it. I don't care."
2: That's exactly right. And it's, and you it know works. what? Uh, speaking of pitchers in this Arizona scenario. Uh, Nick Mariano, actually, we were talking earlier, um, and he brought up a really good point. He said, you know who would probably win the Cy Young? Uh, he said, uh, German Marquez from Colorado. And I started thinking, uh, like, of course, it was a joke. But I'm funny. like, you know what? That's actually pretty brilliant. I mean, he's not going to play is. any games at Coors this year. And if anyone's used to that thin air, you know, it's mm-hmm. Colorado Rockies. So, yeah, that's a good thin air if anyone's drafting. Big time! All those Rockies pitchers, you
1: know, I'm, I'm always never Rockies, but they might at least have some validity to them. Like John Gray, who actually pitches okay. In oh first. yeah, there you go. Yep, it could be it could be interesting. I'm still not advocating drafting Rockies pitchers, but things <laughs> change. We're we're about to be in a world of who knows. So I, I'm just really curious of uh, of how it would all go with these aces. Like where do we draw the line? Do we go more sinker heavy, or do we just go guys that strike out a ton of guys and say yeah, screw it, strike out? Yeah. And then it's just kind of a, it's, it's a weird dynamic that I think we're going to keep, you know, fine tuning, obviously, because maybe we'll have to draft it one of these days. But um, one thing you have fine tuned is your keeper system. And this was really, really cool to look at. Um, you did your top 150 keepers for the season. Um, and, and it's really, really cool to, because one thing people are doing a lot of is dynasties and keepers right now to kind of yeah. pass the time. And you mentioned you have a keeper value system. Why don't you everybody know kind of what that is and what goes into it?
2: Sure, yeah. So, uh, man, people get confused a lot all the time on Twitter, and they're looking at my rankings. They're like, "How do you have, uh, say, Luis Robert ranked ahead of Mike Trout? Like, you're so dumb." I'm like, "You didn't read the intro, apparently one, but two, <laughs> I get it. I get it, man. Because this is really for more of a is it niche, nichey, niche? You niche, know what I'm Niche yeah, market. I got you. I'm going, I'm going with nichey. I like it. Um, <laughs> It's 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 a small market in the industry for keeper leagues where you don't just your first you don't just get keep whoever for whatever you know like some keeper leagues are rounds one through four your keepers you know so in that case you just go off rankings you you're gonna take Mike Trout you're gonna keep you know your your highest ranked players but in the I'd say more competitive keeper leagues um, the player you keep the player at their previous season's cost where they were drafted. Um, and I'm in one of those keeper leagues and, you know, I've been in it for since I think 2013 and i I just got so tired. I'm the commissioner. I just got so tired of some of the managers just making terrible keeper decisions. Um, I wanted to keep it competitive. So I was like, all right, I'll, we have a Facebook page. I'll post, um, keeper rankings every year. So to help people with their decisions and for the life of me, I couldn't find anything that was even worthwhile. Like, you know, there's, there's two basically two types of keeper rankings you it's just um normal 2020 rankings but they boost the young players and prospects because it's a keeper league um and then you get another one where uh, i honestly just have no explanation for how anyone could ever find it useful um, i'm not going to drop any site company names but there's just some awful keeper rankings out there i don't know how people make decisions um so I was like, you know what? There's got to be a numerical way where I take data and it literally says if you keep this player with his production in the 16th round, this is his score. Now compare it with this player who you're going to keep in the 12th round and see which is actually returning you more value. So instead of just looking at the name and where they rank for that season, you actually start thinking in terms of value and which players return the most value for you if you keep them at that cost. So that's where the formula came. It took me like a year to make, because like I said, I'm terrible. And I just sat there on Excel and it was trial and error, man, just over and over until it, it was just perfectly fine-tuned. And it's it's got like, a, I think it's 17 different steps. Um, you're talking past performance, um, that year's projections, obviously the ADP um where the cost where they're drafted um position scarcity um how much they played last season so injured players i i account for that um it's pretty dope um that's a just a big ass gnarly excel spreadsheet i have on my home pc not even my laptop it's just a straight up pc computer <laughs> uh, but yeah so the rankings so obviously on road, i don't have a way to account for everyone's custom leagues i can't make this public that accounts for your keeper costs. And it's also going to help out this guy over here with his keeper costs. So I worked with Alex at Rotobala for a while on on a way to uh, push out a a one-stop shop, just public rankings list um, with this data. And so I use standard ADP. And once I got drug on Reddit once for using standard ADP to help keeper leagues because obviously Keeper League's ADP is going to be much different than standard ADP, but uh, you're not going to find keeper league ADP anywhere. No, it differs from league to league too. Exactly, exactly. So uh, the rankings are pretty nominal. I don't, I don't love the rankings, but it's it's a great baseline, as I said before, for someone to start looking and like, you know, what Cody Bellinger and this. Well, obviously that's a bad example because he's awesome, but you know, maybe okay. uh, maybe this guy maybe I shouldn't keep Justin Verlander in the first round, even though he's a stud, because I'm not getting much value there compared to, I'll bring Luis Robert back, um, say, in the 20th round. Um, so we, so that's that's what I'm trying to do with these rankings. And that's what we put on rotaballer If anyone out there is a computer stud and knows how to program and code, and <laughs> my end goal for this is it to be a online tool where you can just plug in the player and your cost form and you can compare it like fantasy pros who should i draft but if this one will be who should i keep and it does all of it behind the scenes and then spits out a score for you that's that's the end goal but i've been doing this for five years now and i'm still not there so
1: <laughs>
2: now that'd be cool though because I, I like the idea behind it looking at looking
1: at him right now it's like you said it's one thing people get confused a lot: keeper and dynasty are two different things. Like oh, you're yes. saying, like you're saying, you can't just keep everybody you want. It's like okay, keeper leagues are keeping three, four, five guys. You're keeping them based on the rounds you got them the year before, and that's why it's a, it's a good tool because like you have your your tiering system here, where tier one over a and tier two and, in, in seventy five to ninety nine on your point system and everything, mm-hmm. and that's why it showcases guys like Raphael Devers is tier one. When people might go like, well, why is Raphael Devers one? Well, look at the fact you're getting him in round 12 because exactly. of where he went last year. Now, your league might be different. Maybe you take a three-round penalty or something else, or you've had him for a few years. Maybe there's different things involved. But based on last year, like you're saying, goes around 12 now, that's a freaking steal. Um so, because what's real life like? Third, fourth round. So you're getting like a nine round value. I've been, two. yeah, I've been
2: taken in the second round repeatedly this year. So yeah, yeah ten round huge value. value.
1: Yeah, so tremendous. And that's why Cody Bellinger is number one because his ADP is four, but he's like a top four or five pick. It's like oh, man, yeah. getting a steal. And then that's why I wanted to clarify for those that might you know why is Mike Trout fourteenth and in tier two. <laughs> Well, because Mike Trout's the top overall pick, and you're keeping him at the top overall pick, so I know you're getting Mike Trout, and I guess it's a, it shows you just how good Mike Trout is because he's still ranked up that high. Exactly. But what are you really gaining by keeping him? Where you could keep, uh, like you have Jorge Soler right below him in the twenty third round. Obviously, different players, but look at the difference in value. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's a great tool. Is there anybody that kind of stands out to you? Like, huh, this is a. It was kind of interesting looking at the the differences there.
2: Um, uh, yeah, um, Ketel Marte, obviously, um, it, the, the formula tends to, uh, favor multi-position eligibility. Um, you see DJ LeMahieu down there at number 16 overall with his 19th round ADP, um, Ketel Marte's eighth overall with his 21st round ADP come out of nowhere. Um, but yeah, those, uh, multi-position guys were kind of a shock to me and then, uh, starting pitching, um. No one in the first tier just shows you, um, you know, because like I said, position scarcity um, is in this value, in this formula. So uh, the fact that no starting pitchers made it to tier one uh, kind of shows you uh, there might be more arms than you think that are serviceable in fantasy right now. Well, I'm with you there, 100%. I think, you know, I, I, I've never really
1: been a massive get a guy early. I have been a little more depending on the league side. The last few years, but mm-hmm. I got no problem waiting if I have to. Like I get the argument for getting an ace or two early, I get it, but it's not a must for me. That's for sure. Hang um, here. I, I do. I do like something on this for like if I want to take a, a little mini victory lap on anything. Uh, seeing Ronald Acuna still in tier one, even though he's a first round pick, and you're only getting <laughs> first round value, and so far ahead of Mike Trout. I know it's just silly, but it makes me laugh because I've been, I've always been Acuna over Trout. And uh, everything up points leagues right now, so that's kind of like a nice little so, hey, yeah. man.
2: Yeah, and but you gonna, also got to think of, um, you know, future. Keep, if you're going to want to be yes. able to keep this guy for more than one year, and Acuna, you know, the age difference between him and Trout just—it's yep. really the boost yes. there. And that's what—that's why it shows in your system, like the age
1: gap. Because in reality, if they were the same age, pretty sure Trout would be ahead of him. Just oh yeah. Yes. So it's just—it's just another example when we're talking about your formula here of, of how it all plays out. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to. I might know a couple guys that can help you. So I need to. Uh, ch- yeah, I, I'm not an expert, word, but I, I might know a couple guys. So let's see, <laughs> see what we can do there through the the Twitterverse. Uh, I can I'll probably s- finagle
2: something. I'll share my billion dollars with them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love it. You'll give them a coronavirus test. It's cool. <laughs> um, so as we kind of sc- uh, scroll down here, you're talking about scarcity. Um, second base, we all know, is kind of a, a weird scarce position. Were there any other ones that stood out to you that uh, you, you know maybe pushed guys up higher than you would have expected?
2: Yeah, first base. I don't know if, I mean, I uh, if I'm drafting at the end of round one this year, I'm well. I mean, I obviously have already and might not anymore, but uh, Freddie Freeman, like, obviously not not talking this keeper, but just because of the first base position this year, you're talking after. Bellinger, Freeman, and then what Alonzo? And then it's just a huge drop in, in normal redraft leagues. I'm seriously waiting all the way till about Danny Santana, Carlos Santana range if I don't get Freddie Freeman. And as you can see, there are a lot of first base eligible guys in the first two tiers, and that proves the scarcity.
1: Yeah, you got DJ LeMayhew, you got Josh Bell, who's up here pretty high, obviously, because he's also picked t- around 21. Uh, Trey Mancini, who I'm always a big fan of, but like Miguel Sano, that can be huge. Oh, yeah. Big I'm one, a man. big, big Miguel Sano fan. So, yeah, so that's you – know, Round that 23, that. my God.
2: Yeah, that's, so that's a loophole. I found – that's the, the fun thing about looking through all the past year's ADP is some guys uh, have some loopholes in their ADP because uh, obviously he shouldn't have been a 23rd round um, draft pick last year, but because of that injury – well, first it was – the suspension fear um, from that uh, assault case with that reporter. Mm -hmm. And then once that passed, you know, he, he got hurt and which drove his ADP all the way into the ground. And you can take advantage of crazy things like that in keeper leagues.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. Keeper leagues, people might drop guys and you get all kinds of discounts Mm -hmm. and all kinds of goodies like that. So, Oh, that's a lot of fun. Um, Anything else? Because I don't want to go through every player, but there there are some interesting ones. Like even Josh Hader, even though he's round nine, and we know closers can be volatile, yeah, like, he's still forty yeah. second, which says a lot about who Josh Hader is.
2: That blew my mind too. That's a, that's a good eye right there. Yeah, that one was a that stood out. Um, so maybe uh relief pitchers aren't obviously relief pitchers aren't that scarce. Um, but uh yeah the the gap between Hader and the rest of them that proves it right there. Yes, it does. Um, well, I'm, I'll let everybody else uh,
1: peruse this at their will, and they can hit you up or on Twitter or whatever and see it. But since we're talking relief pitchers, let's get in to your mm. bullpen method. And I, I'm very—I was happy when I was asking—is <laughs> there anything else you want to talk about? Because i have been digging in. I have a, an article coming up on some deep, deep guys. So I'm just curious. You—you you mentioned you're kind of working on your bullpen method. What is your bullpen method? If you're so kind to tell us.
2: So yes. Yeah, so this is the the sneak peek before my first ever article on it, because uh, I've been keeping it secret for many years because that's how I win my fantasy leagues. And I didn't want <laughs> my opponents to know it. Um, but now like in the Rotoballer league, after I've won back to back years, they've all caught on. And now it's not a secret anymore. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm going to bring it out to the public, but uh yeah. Sweet. My first year in the league and I get the tip ahead of time. And now we're <laughs> talking. <you> <laughs> yeah. Now the league pitchers are going to go like in the third round, but, uh, so, uh, yeah, so I did a, uh, a top 10 draft tips piece, uh, a little bit, uh, probably two months ago, maybe a month ago, but, uh, yeah, my very last draft tip was just a preview of the bullpen method. And, uh, so I love balance on my fantasy teams. Um, I draft basically every league, like it's a roto league. I just love balance across every possible category statistic. Um, and this is especially true for my pitching staff. Um, and with that in mind, I just am terrified of starting pitchers. Um, yeah, you can attack, you know, wins and strikeouts, but your EA, ERA and whip just never have a chance. Um, there's like 10 <laughs> starting pitchers in all of baseball that I trust with my ERA and whip as a team total. And, uh, you know, some people fill their entire roster with these guys and it just blows my mind. So the bullpen method is really, it's, I wouldn't. Use, it's not a strategy. It's more of a state of mind, and I say that a lot in the article because I don't want people coming up to me and saying, "JB said relievers are great." I drafted Edwin Diaz and Blake Trennan last year, and I lost my league. So that's that's not what it is. It's it's really just um, acknowledging the fact that starting pitchers are overrated, and relief pitchers, especially non-closers that are forgotten the setup men are underrated in fantasy and you can take advantage of this and i'm telling you you'll kill your roto leagues and your head-to-head leagues as too um, all
1: right i got a couple questions for you because first okay, off this is a strategy i've been starting to employ in certain formats because i'm 100 percent on board you can get some of these guys that are either still going to get you five to ten saves because like i've had alex fast on i wrote relief pictures for the black book this year like there's so many guys getting saves now. It's ridiculous. Yes. So many guys. It's not. It's, it's it's nuts. So these guys are like super good ratio guys, like you said. Heist, mm-hmm. Look at Drew Pomeranz last year for the, for yep. the Brewers. Stuff like that. Yep. And it, every team's got one or two of those guys. Look at the, the the Tampa Bay Rays have three guys that are probably saved double digits each. Like they they all have them. Okay. Absolutely. Now that I blabbered on, your the questions. Um, is this in only for daily or weekly formats? Or both, and what size leagues are we talking here?
2: Okay, so yeah, so in the article I do at the very end because that's most of the questions that people ask me. Um, So it is so for types of league, it's obviously roto and head to head. Please don't do this in points leagues, people. It's obvious you only want heavy volume. You want saves and wins there. (laughs) (laughs) But it is most optimal in daily leagues because you get yeah. to optimize your starts obviously you can stream starters which means you don't fall too far behind on wins and Ks and you get to bench relievers when they're on their off day so you're just maximizing your starts and your innings um but it is also viable in weekly leagues because like i said it's it's a state of mind and you're going to you get to mess with your ratio every week and out know? Weekly league and by ratio I mean your starting pitcher to relief pitcher ratio, and um you know in a standard nine pitcher league, your my weekly league ratio probably the baseline is going to be four starters and five relievers, but you get to really play manager in a weekly league, and I love it because it adds so much complexity. And you you analyze where you're at in the standings, you analyze your starting pitcher schedules that week. If you have two two start starting pitchers. Um, shoot, you can rock a two-seven ratio and still keep your place in the standings because your ratio is going to be if those two guys are your studs, your ratios are going to be great. Um, and then on the flip side, if you got a dude in, in cores, um, um, you don't want to start guys at Yankee Stadium. You you know what I'm saying? So you get the you get the fine tooth every week, and that's what I love about it. Um, so to answer your question, yes, daily very much so daily and then also yes weekly and for league size i've done it literally in every every i'm in 18 team league um i do it in that league um of course holds as a category so it's a different story but i do it in all all sizes um what i'm working on this year really as far as uh, compiling data for the bullpen method is these overall contests which are picking up a lot of steam on, you know in nfbc and am I able to get enough points to win that top overall prize without winning wins and strikeouts?
1: And that that was going to be like, as you were talking to write down like five more questions based on what you're talking about. that was one of them because it's funny that you mentioned this because a I've done this in daily leagues many times, because I think it's huge. Like if you don't want to start certain guys that have bad starts just roll levers out there and just get like yeah. a third of an inning to an inning and a K or two here and there that adds up quickly, like big time. So I, I think that's a tremendous method. I haven't tried it as much for weekly, but I can see it working. And it's funny that you mentioned it because it was earlier this week and I'm going to go find the guy on Twitter through my mentions. And he was, he flat out asked me, he said, Hey, I'm in a league. I did a 12 team NFPC online qualifier and, um, this guy drafted Scherzer in like the third round or whatever, and didn't draft the starting pitcher. I think the rest of the draft, he just went relievers starting like in round twelve, and he had like nine relievers on his on his team. And it started an open it started an open discussion where guys that have played in nfc leagues said, "Yeah, they've seen guys do it. It's worked pretty well, but only in like standalone leagues. In the overall, they say you're basically punting wins and or saves." And you won't rack up enough strikeouts to compete in the overall. Does that make sense at all?
2: Yeah, and i I agree with that to an extent. Um, mostly because to win an overall league, it's almost like taking down a GPP. It's you know, you got to run that, really hot. You got to run it's really at, hot. Yeah, it's at that level of lotto ticket chances yeah. where uh, every player that you draft has just a phenomenal season, like no injuries. No, No injuries. There's no room for error, and of course, if you're competing against that, obviously the bullpen method is going to fall short of that. But aside from that crazy lottery chances aspect, it in all other aspects it should be fine. And you should, I mean, I've won roto leagues by just huge margins using this. And if I were to use that same team in an overall league, I, I would be very interested to see where it would fall. And Hopefully, I get a chance to do that this year. Of course, everything's well, going to be wonky. Yeah, everything's going to be wonky, and
1: that's why I was going to talk about bullpen to begin with because I think there's going to be so many more middle relievers used this year. So I think it would just like enunciate the the advantage of just going screw it. Like even those like kind of middle guys that throw two innings a game, like just go grab those guys. Oh, to, yeah, to yeah, there was a point last year in TGFBI for like last month and a half to two months. I had three openers on my roster that I would just rotate week to week. Um, one of them was Noah – not Noah, that's, that's football. Um, Ryan Yarbrough? No, it was – I think his last name I think was Font. I had Yarbrough, but – Oh, be Wilmer with the, Font? W- yeah, Wilmer Font. He used to be with the Rays, and then he got mm-hmm. traded to the Blue Jays, and the Blue Jays were opening with him, and I started him all the time. He had like one bad outing of like seven. It was amazing. Um, oh, he got like four Ks. It was perfect. But same philosophy. Um and, and the reason why again to this guy that, that sent me that question, he said they ran it through some projection system, and the guy that picked just Scherzer and all the relievers was projected to win the twelve team league by like sixteen points. Oh I'm telling you, this thing
2: kills projections every time. You Yeah, it if, was nuts. You I yeah, so let me let me just walk through some examples. So last year's Rota Baller team, um, Rota Baller expert twelve team Standard roto league. Um, I finished the season with 13 pitchers on my roster. Five of them were starters, as is typical with my method. Uh, so, listen to these Homer Bailey, Ryu, which <laughs> okay, Ryan Yarbrough, Tyler Glassnow, and Dylan Bundy. So, in a vacuum with that rotation, I should have no business being in the top half of the league. Not, Not even one, close, and I won with over 100 roto points. And um, these outstanding. So, so, and these are the eight relievers I had, I had Seth Lugo. Emilio Pagan, Will Smith, Keon Kella, uh, Brandon Workman, Julio Urias, Giovanni Gallagos, and Drew Pomeranz. How hard do you think See, it was to draft those relievers? Real easy. Because I
1: mean, oh. <laughs> uh, oh, most, most of those guys weren't even the designated closers. Like two or three of those guys became closers. The rest of them aren't even closers, technically.
2: I'd say at best, Brandon Workman might have been drafted some just because of the bull, bullpen situation Boston was It was so Hammer sketchy.
1: Barnes type thing. Yeah, yeah,
2: but but I mean, all these guys were below a 2.8 ERA and 1.09 WHIP, and then like you said, sprinkle in those five saves; they're all going to pick up on the way, and you've easily just won three or five pitching categories, like easily, hands down. I love it. Maybe I'll have to edit and, this out. So yeah, and people <laughs> won't, won't hear it. And then the beauty of it, the the heart of the bullpen method is while everyone else is drafting these starting pitchers in the first 14 rounds you're getting every hitter that you want so you're going to destroy the offensive categories and hands down easily win three pitching categories and that's why it destroys Rota leagues it's it's beautiful man and have you so, um,
1: have you have you made this work in anything with innings limits
2: so are you talking um Minimum yeah, you know, obviously, like some, right?
1: Some leagues, yeah, some leagues like have a minimum, like thousand innings or something.
2: Yeah, so uh, I've done it with minimum weekly, but it was like something low, like twenty. I have never played in a minimum for the season. I play in a lot of maximums where it prevents people from over streaming, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've never, I've never played in a league where there's a minimum for the entire season. So uh, it would be interesting. I think I could still get there um just because you know your reliever you're getting you know three four innings a week and you got say uh you know let's see five of them on your roster so that's you know 20 a week right there and then you got your four starters who so i think you'll still get there um you know the main question people ask me you know because everyone thinks you have to win with aces these days. And you know, you know how mm-hmm. people out there drafting pocket aces, ace ace off the yep. off the gun. And what I what I tell people when they ask me, how do you win without drafting aces? I said, Well, you build them. You build them with relievers like Frankenstein. You take these unwanted scraps like I don't know, Brandon Workman and Emilio Pagan last year, and you combine their stats and you have fourteen wins. 200 strikeouts, a 2.1 ERA, and a 0.93 whip. That's better than Clayton Kershaw.
1: That sounds pretty darn good. (laughs) And
2: and I did it with two late round or undrafted players, and I can do it three more times on my roster. So I can build three bona fide aces out of relievers that are also getting saves all the while drafting the stud elite hitters at at the beginning rounds.
1: I think you're, I think you're onto something, JB. I really do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When you're doing this, like the names you mentioned, like you said, it's not like you're having to go reach to do this. So do you usually not try to grab some of the early, like top in Josh Hader types? Do you always just say, screw it. I I have my list of guys. I'm going to start around 12 or 13 and just back into the whole thing. Or what's your plan usually?
2: So I broke it down into three possible drafting strategies within the bullpen method um and frankly they all project to be roughly the same it's just mind-blowing how this works so but the way that i do it and what you'll usually see my team looking like i call it pitching light it's uh usually one starting pitcher in like the first three rounds like clevinger was one of the big targets um you darvish clayton kershaw one of those guys in the first four rounds one starting pitcher just to anchor my staff and then uh two relief pitchers and it's really which elite reliever is going to fall into my lap. Usually, like you said, Josh Hader, um, or Roberto Azuna. Um, and then that's all the pitching in the first 14 rounds, just one starter, two relievers, and then it's all offense. And like I said, you can get whatever hitter you want. And yeah, that allows you to build such an amazing offense. Oh, it's beautiful. And then, once the second half starts around 15, I, I attack pitching really heavily. And it's usually in a, an OCD pattern, like I'd usually do. And, you know, starter, reliever, <laughs> starter, reliever until I've filled my five man rotation. And uh, so in the article, I run through mocks with each um, drafting strategy. And I'm t- this one is usually the best because um, obviously the offense is number one in the league. And then the pitchers usually you're looking at like third place in pitching category along with the first place finishing and, and hitting. And then uh, the other one I do just to prove that starters are really irrelevant is pitching heavy. And I go five starting pitchers and three relievers in the first 14 rounds. So that's eight pitchers in the first 14 rounds. And I'm talking about studs. Like in one mock I did Garrett Cole, Strasburg, Charlie Morton, Josh Hader, Ozuna, um, you know, so these are stud, pitchers. everything else is the same. I'm still drafting these Seth Lugo relief pitchers in the end to get my bullpen method and the pitching projections come out to be the exact same. The eighth that's place crazy. in wins, eighth place in strikeouts, which I, yeah, not great, but third and saves first in ERA first and whip. And that's the exact same. Even when I took only three pitchers in the first 14 rounds.
1: That uh, That's pretty darn outstanding because it makes so much sense. How many times have you seen yourself or other people as the season goes on trying to chase ERA and whip stuff, which is so hard it's to too chase? Late.
2: It's too late. Yeah.
1: It's so difficult to do. Like, And eventually you just have to kind of throw that out the window and just stream two-star guys to hope for some wins and strikeouts and then just pray they don't destroy your ratios is kind of what it turns into doing. Uh, so this is a phenomenal, uh, phenomenal concept. I, I can't wait to read the article because I have more questions, but I'm going to read the article first before I, I keep going with those questions. Uh, what I do want to ask you though, is, you mentioned, you know, the Seth Lugos was a great one. Even Giovanni Gallegos, who everyone loves as a closer this year, wasn't even really on the radar for the Not most part last year. Um, so many guys like that. So what are some of the guys you're looking at this year Maybe that you already drafted? Um, you know, some have already kind of worked up throughout the, the, the spring training and everything of, become on people's radars, but who who are some of the names you're looking at?
2: Yeah, so uh, as a Bench with Bubba special, I'll give you every every target I have in this article. Um, Outstanding. And in the order of how I attack them. So Seth Lugo is my number one. He's my man. Innings, strikeouts, ratios, he's got it all. Ryan Presley, my number two. Of course, he's amazing. We all know it. Um, number three, Diego Castillo. Love um it. I'm a big Castillo fan. I think uh, everyone's overrating Anderson. Um, I'll go into more in the article, but yeah, Diego, Diego Castillo is going to be a stud this year. Drew Pomeranz, which starting to pick up steam across the industry. It's no longer a secret that once he got moved to the bullpen, he was freaking amazing. Um, Chad Green. Second half last year, completely rebounded from an awful first month, and his numbers look just as amazing as Real always. Real quick, be- before you go, see,
1: this is why this your article's is going to be amazing because no one's even going to think Chad Green. They'll think Ottavino, they'll think Zach Britton. Chad Green you can get on the waiver wire. Like, no one's going to even draft Chad Green.
2: Nope. <laughs> Nobody will. I'm telling you. It, he's. It makes I mean, sense if
1: people look at his numbers. Yep.
2: Yeah, after the all-star break at 289 ERA, zero nine six whip. um yeah, he's the robin to my Seth Lugo Batman. He's a, ah, I love it. Yep. And then I also like some uh, some swing mans. Um you know, I like I like getting multiple innings out of relievers just like you mentioned earlier and Ross Stripling this year. Um his ADP is taking a huge hit now that he didn't get traded and he's not in the rotation. Um, that's just more shares for me cuz I'll take the ratios no matter what role he has. Um and then you're looking at Emilio Pagan is dropping of course cuz oh no he's not a closer anymore. Um I don't care. <laughs> Give me the ratios. And then uh one guy um it's tough to sell because the strikeouts aren't uh very very sexy as Aaron Bummer for the White Sox. Uh, yes, yes. You know, yes. huge ground ball ground ball guy which I love in those ratios. Might might North be here. okay in the warm weather. Oh, good point. There you go. Hey, there you go guys. Uh, Arizona Target right there is Aaron Bummer. <laughs> Now, I, I'm glad you
1: mentioned Bummer because they, they gave him an, ex, an early extension because he's like a future closer material. They might oh, yeah. trade column a but everyone goes, oh, but he doesn't strike guys out. It's like not all closers strike guys out. We got to get that uh, through people's heads real quick. Uh, like you said, massive ground ball guy. He's still like 8K per nine. It's not like he's garbage. Yeah, so, in 2018
2: he had a 9.95 strikeout ratio. So uh, yeah. if you so, got yeah. up to that – I'm a big fan there. Uh, since I got you, Red Sox fan, I'm a huge Brandon Workman
1: guy, but everyone's telling me, like, don't buy into it this year. What are your thoughts on him?
2: Uh, I I don't hate him at his ADP. Of course, I don't chase saves. Um, but, uh, you know, the strikeouts are going to be there. His his curveballs, just – he's basically Matt Barnes is how – they're, like, so, so similar. Yeah. They can't throw a strike to save their life, but they will get people to chase that curveball every time. And, you know, 30 – Thirty saves are pretty much a lock. As as bad as Boston's pitching is going to be, the offense is going to keep them in almost every game. And yeah, I mean, I don't expect an under three ERA again. But uh, yeah, you could definitely do worse at his ADP. He's not one of my guys this year, but I haven't uh I haven't been avoiding him. It just hasn't worked out.
1: Yeah, no, I, I like that that call. You're not avoiding him because the price is up
2: a lot more. Obviously, last
1: year basically free. This year, yep. a little different. I think one of the best things you – well, you said a lot of great things, but one of the best things you said when you're explaining your your bullpen method is you're using two of these guys to create an ace. I don't think people think of it that way, but it's so true. When you're – you know, a lot of people will start six, sometimes seven guys a week and only put like two relievers out there. But now if you're throwing four four to five relievers out there, give or take on what week's going on, those two guys are combining to be a pitcher like you said, and and when the season's over – but their, their numbers work out to be an ace plus all the saves. I think that is a tremendous way to visualize it. That makes so much more sense because you know how it is. People start drafting and they go, wait, this guy doesn't do this or that. I don't I don't want him. Exactly. But when you're building – when you're roster construction, it changes everything.
2: So I think that's it's huge. It works, man. People just got to believe.
1: I love it. Uh, when do you think uh, Alex and Pierre and them will push this article through? Or when's it going to be ready?
2: It's submitted, so uh, literally Ooh, any day, day now. Any, any day. day. Ooh, yeah. And it's okay, got well, examples from last year. It's got those mock drafts with the projections from Fantasy Pros, and it's got uh, all different I think I put three or four examples of building Frank and aces as I call them. Um, I love that term. Like you need to like pack, <laughs> like get RotoWare to make a T-shirt of that. Building that aces out of relief pitchers,
1: and that's that's like it. make you like put Hulu, uh, Lugo's head on Pagans jersey or something. Like oh, go go make this. This looks yeah. it's amazing. I, I'm jotting
2: this down real quick.
1: Yeah, go go hit up RotoWare. Tell them like, I got an idea. It's going to be huge. Like you could do it with just Pomeranz and Pagan. They're on the same team for crying out loud.
2: It's beautiful. Yeah. In the article, <laughs> there's there's plenty of examples of we got Lugo and Galagos, um Chad Green and Drew Pomeranz. Yeah, they, there's a lot of good t shirts in there.
1: I love it. That'd be a lot of fun. Um what else or what's uh you know, we got we're trying to, to think of more and more things to do, you know, content wise. Uh do you have anything else up your sleeve or are you gonna take a little breather after this one?
2: Uh, so, uh, you know, I'm, I usually at this point would start pivoting to DFS, um, cause yep. I love MLB DFS more than any other sport. And usually I do a couple, couple articles a week on that day's picks and whatnot. And I think, uh, I was lined up to do some of the, uh, premium picks for Rotobo this year. Um, whether or not that actually happens now is up in the air. So uh, right now I'm kind of just, uh, brainstorming, uh, you know, we got the, a lot of great options to put out by our editorial staff that I'm combing through. But yeah, I'm looking for something big. I got, got so used to uh, collecting data and stuff between the keeper value and the bullpen method that I want to do another project. Well, I think that's the one thing I've told people that have even asked me, like, how do you keep doing podcasts? How do you like
1: stay motivated to do things? And I said, at worst, the way I look at it is, I can dig deeper on things. I can learn more things I haven't learned yet. Like work on stats, all these different things. And then something will click. Like literally, I was working on this deep reliever piece, and I was just looking in on this, did these different stats I usually don't look at last night. And I just got, like 45 minutes later realized I looked at one guy. I'm like, what in the world? Because there was just so much stuff there that I never even thought of. It was just ridiculous. But um, that's the kind of the the fun I'm finding in all this. So you. Yeah, it's a, you. yeah, it's a great time
2: to it's a great time to just sit back and really, like you said, dig into your process and fantasy. And if you're not taking this time to improve, yep. you're missing out because your opponents probably are. And at worst, look, you'll be ready for next season. Exactly, Hey, look at this. I just a trade just went down in one of my leagues. Can you believe that? What happened? Let's talk about okay. it. All right, so I don't even know how to explain what he, what this guy's <laughs> thinking, but so this is the <laughs> this is the 18 team keeper league that I've been in since 2013, and this guy is getting David Fletcher, 18 teams, so and it's an OBP league, so I can see the value. It's not in bad, Fletcher. okay. But he's giving up Chris Sale and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Why? <laughs> so you know what? I remember Chris Sale will be a six-round keeper next year, too. Which um, is still going to be out. St- like, okay, yep.
1: Sixth round next year, fifth round the year before, the year after, I'm assuming, once he's good to go. like That still yeah. sounds pretty good
2: to me. I don't know, man. But at least, see, this is why you draft early because you still get these baseball tidbits to keep okay. you alive. I, I don't know who these
1: guys are, and they're probably pretty cool dudes, but why are they making trades and I don't even know if there's a season this year?
2: <laughs> I don't know, man. That's I don't wild. Know. That's wild. It's the first. It's definitely the first trade of the season. But I pulled up the uh, the league the other day, and there's been like 36 transactions, like pickups. We
1: were actually talking about that on Monday's show, or Tuesday's show this week with with Bat Crazy. As a listener asked, like, what are we doing with our rosters right now? And I said, outside of like dynasty leagues, like none of my fabs even open and. We already did our drafts. Like, really, what are you adding and dropping that you didn't like in the draft situation? I don't really know where to go with
2: that. I have no clue. There wasn't even, there's like, you can't even go off. You yeah, said like 18,
1: 18 team league. What is, what's even out
2: there? <laughs> it's very little. Let's, let's, let me look real quick. I'll give you an example.
1: Like, somebody must have been like, dude, this guy went one for four this spring with two stolen bases. I got to so, get, him.
2: a dude picked up Joey Gerber from Seattle, the the reliever prospect.
1: Oh, the son of the uh, the baby food chain got you. <laughs>
2: um, oh, Trevin Rosenthal—that's that that's, that's not a bad one. That's not a bad one. He could he I could slide into that. some saves. Oh, and then of course you know injuries that happen. So some dude dropped Noah Syndergaard because you know surgery, but, yeah, yeah, you know so. surgery. <laughs> Action. Action's still going on.
1: Yep, there's always something. But uh, JB, it was just fun, man. I'm glad you were able to join me tonight. We'll we'll have to do it again sometime. But before we sign off let everybody know where they can find you and uh whatever you want to plug plug away
2: sure uh you can follow me on twitter at rowdy Roto, jb um especially if you need a if you want me to plug in your league your team's keeper options into the formula I'd be more than happy to do it since that's what its actual purpose is um please go to Rotoballer.com, read all our fantastic speaking of let me just pause real quick how fantastic is our lineup at Rotoballer right now.
1: It's ridiculous.
2: We it's have some ridiculous. of the greatest <laughs> names in the industry all in one DM group, and it continuously blows my mind when I see you guys talking. Like, It's, it's right? a pretty fun little thing we got going there. Oh, yeah, man. Such a good group. Like, What a time to be Rotoballer. But, uh, yeah, um, visit rotoball.com Also, go to Rotoballer's Twitter. Um, we're giving away a free Juan Soto autographed jersey. Obviously, it's authenticated through Beckett. It's the real deal. Um Yeah, all you got to do is retweet and enter an email address, something easy. But, yeah, go do that, please. Yep, it's awesome stuff. Like you said, Rotoballers – it's a shame we don't have a season yet because we had some
1: big, big plans, but it'll happen here sooner or later. I was going to be doing DFS with you. I was going to be doing a little oh, bit Oh, that's everything. what I'm talking about. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be some fun stuff over there, but uh, we will definitely do this again sometime. And, hey, if if we end up not having a season, we'll do it again and just talk about movies and other stuff, so TV,
2: all that good stuff. Bring it on, man. So, Hit me up uh, we'll, whenever. Yeah,
1: we'll chat it up, man. So I appreciate Everybody go check him out on Twitter at RowdyRotoJB. JB, thanks for joining me, man.
2: it has been a pleasure.
1: All right, this is Bench with Bubba episode 273 talking about keeper values and bullpen method and much, much more. Catch you guys later.